Thank you. Ben, welcome. Good to see everybody this morning, and Happy New Year. Hope everybody enjoyed the holidays. As we're starting this new year, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be a 10-week series. It's called God and Our Greatest Fears. Every one of us have fears, and I just kind of wanted to find what are the general fears, the, all the fears that all of us kind of are facing. And uh, so, of course, I um, searched uh, the computer, tried to find what is the general fears that we have? What's the 10 greatest fears that uh, generalize that, that we're all, they're all facing? And uh, I found a list that kind of wrapped them all up um, in an article. And as I found this list in the article, I was like, well, what does God say in regards to the fears that we are facing um, in this life? Um, that's why I put God in our greatest fears. We have these fears. But if God was going to speak into our fears, what would he um, say? Uh, what would he do to comfort us during this direction? And what I found uh, um, in this study is that what's important to our heart is really important to God's heart. And when I say that, I mean that we all have extreme amount of fears. And as we have these fears and these different topics and these different subjects that we're facing, it seems like the Bible is just full at addressing these fears. For the next 10 weeks, we're going to be going through them. Just a couple of them, free, a fear of misery, a fear of pain, fear of loneliness, fear of death, fear of failure. But the one we're going to work on this morning, and it's at the top of the list, not the top, it's the most important, but number 10 out of the top 10 is, number one, people are afraid of losing their freedom, the power to control their own lives. When you hear the word losing your freedom, it's a very broad subject, a very broad statement. Often we think right to the Bill of Rights. You know, I, I, I want to have my freedom of religion. I want to have the freedom to bear arms. I want a freedom of speech. So those are often what we think about in regards to freedom. Uh, but let me ask you a couple questions. Everyone who lives in a nursing home, are they in control of their own lives? If they're living in a nursing home and they do not want to be there, are they in control? Is there an answer that would give them freedom? Or are they just out of luck? When they're in the nursing home, I can be free because I'm not in one. But when I'm in a nursing home, do I lose my freedom when I receive there, when I go there? Those who are suffering from cancer, are they free? I do not have cancer, uh, but people do, and people are suffering from it. Am I free and they're not free? Is there any hope for them? Or is their freedom done and they just live in that bondage and it's over and, and here I am? you know, 44 years old, still all right. I still have freedom, so I'll make sure I cast my votes in regards to making sure that I be able to keep my freedom as I live. But are they free? Is there an answer? What about the family that can't get together during the holiday seasons because there's so much bickering and, and frustration? Families want to get together because families are whole, but what's taking place sometimes is there's so much stuff that is happening that it's dividing us. How come families are not free to get together? Are they bound to stay away from each other? Um, do they choose to be bound to stay away from each other? Is this, what they, is this what they want? What about an alcoholic that can't control themselves? We had a, an individual come to church years ago, about six years ago. He says, I struggle with alcohol and it's going to kill me um, because I struggle every night and I just live consistently drunk he goes, I just need to find God before I die. And sure enough, he was here for about six weeks, and then alcohol ended up killing him, destroyed him as he committed suicide, trying to find freedom from that. Was he free or was he not free? Or was he bound? 
this topic of freedom, we need to ask those questions. Sexual sin. Uh, if we're involved in sexual sin, does it, do we feel free um, in regards to that? Um, or do we not? Do we feel bound? Someone who sets New Year's resolution, are we really under control? I set a couple years New Year's resolution, and one was, I'm going to avoid sugar. Well, for five days I've failed, and I've only had six days. I mean, it's January 6th. So, first day, <laughs> of course I got it, but the rest I didn't. Am I really free? Because this is what I desire, but what's taking place inside of me is that I still feel like I'm bound. What is freedom? Bitterness? People free from bitterness? People want to be free from bitterness. People want to be free from anger. People want to be free from malice. But are we free? The reason to bring all this up is because the article was confused with their study. And what I mean by confused with their study, I just want to read the, the opening paragraph in their study uh, that talked about freedom. Please remember this is a secular article, and this is what they opened up their study with. While the exact definition of freedom and its value in society are debatable subjects, the fear of losing your freedom has always been present in human minds because even Though it is not something that we think about every single moment, it has given us times of deep thought and wonder at what would happen if we were to lose our power to control our lives. The fear starts with mundane things, such as the time that we are grounded in our room by yourself without the possibility of leaving until you have finished your homework, or our fear of being um, committed to a marriage, a covenant that marriage establishes. But this raises questions. Is absolute freedom the best thing for us? We have all seen people make bad decisions over and over again and wonder whether having someone else make these decisions for them would make things better. So if you look at that article, it's saying i got three different things. Number one is that we fear freedom. Number two, that we really don't know what freedom is. And then they give an example when I'm being committed to marriage, is that a slavery if I want to get out? We, we really don't know what it is. And the other thing that the secular article says is, should we even have it? So as we read the article, they're almost more confused than not in regards to this freedom. The Bible is not confused when it starts to talk about freedom. In fact, the Bible is extremely specific in regards to the topic and subject of freedom. It is completely full, and if you can say this is what the whole Bible is about, it would be about freedom. So let's just look at some, this is only a 30-minute sermon, so we're just going to have to hit the, the bare surface. Let's just look at some of the things that we need to know in regards to what the Bible speaks into in regards to freedom. Number two, man was originally created to rule the world, but today the world is ruling the man. Are we ruled? by drink? Are we ruled by sex? Are we ruled by greed, anger, guilt, pain? Are we ruled by fear? Are we ruled by death? Are we ruled by loneliness? Are we ruled by suffering? You look around the world and look at Syria. What's taking place there? Are they ruled by war? Are they ruled by trauma? Are they ruled by violence? Uh, North Korea, people, are they ruled by a dictator people ruled by poverty, people ruled by fear in North Korea. We can even look at Russia. Are people ruled in Russia by pride, 
people ruled by power, people ruled by jealousy. We can go from country to country to country to country, but all is located down to a human being. And what is happening is that we're all ruled. We are all ruled. Paul mentions on how we are ruled in Romans seven fifteen. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Had somebody mentioned to me, is that's the only verse in the Bible I understand. <laughs> yes, I can completely relate. And I can say I relate with Paul as he's writing that. But think of who Paul was, one of the most righteous people in the world that got the message for, um, sent clear to the ends of the earth. And this is what's going on inside of him. Why do I do what I don't want to do and I do what I cannot do? All of this is going on inside of us. This is what is going on in our mind. This is what's going on in our heart. And we know that we are not under control, if we really think about it, but that we are ruled to different degrees, maybe a degree of New Year's resolution, but also to the degree of maybe World War II. The Nazis said they started killing the Jews because they hated them, but they kept killing the Jews because they hated themselves for doing it. They don't even know what is going on as they're completely ruled into this evil, completely ruled into what is taking place. So what's going on? Number three, man was originally created to live, but in this world he is bound to die. This is uh, the other thing that you need to understand when it comes into freedom is that if you can live forever, you are the only free one that is on this earth. <laughs> and what does it say? We all die. I don't think we need a verse to explain this. However, we will, of course, give a verse to make this statement. Hebrews 9, 24, man is destined to die once, and we all know that. Therefore, I'll ask the question, are we free? Death scares us, and since death scares us, we do two things. Uh, we don't talk about it, um, and then the next thing is we write songs about it. And the reason why we write songs about it is hopefully it'll give us some peace, some purpose, some direction, some comfort, because we know that death judges us. I'd like to just uh, play one hymn on the on the screen um, that is a song um, specifically about death. It's the have to say that I like the movie. It's a good movie. But let's um, address the song a little bit, because it's a Disney movie that's supposed to give us a little bit of comfort at death. 
Let's read the lyrics. It's a circle of life. And what does a circle do? It moves us all. It moves us through despair. It gives us hope. It gives us faith. Sounds like a Bible. It gives us love until we find our path. But what is the circle talking about? What is the circle talking about? Sun fertilizes the grass. The hyena eats the grass. The lion eats the hyena. The lion dies and fertilizes the grass, and it just consistently goes into a circle. So what does that mean? That means, if you look at the song, you read the song, that I find movement, despair is gone, hope, faith, free, love, until I find this path, and all I am is fertilizer. That's it. It stops right there. Does it stop there? We have to have an answer to death, whether we know God or not. We have to have an answer because we know that it judges all of us. We know it judges all of us because when we are on the deathbed, what are we doing? We're looking at our past and saying, did I do what I needed to do on this earth? Our mind is consistently going back, specifically judging us all because we know that death judges. Are we free? You're free if you live forever, but you're not free if you're bound to die. And the statistics on death is one of one dies. So what is taking place? What is going on? Number four, all people have been born from Adam under the bondage of sin's control and its consequences. We are not free. If we say, I want freedom from the Bill of Rights, we are speaking just a tiny piece for a moment that says, I want the freedom to choose what I want, and I am concerned and make sure my vote is cast so I can have it. But you haven't even begun to talk about the subject of freedom. You don't even begin to understand the subject of freedom until you understand what the Bible is speaking into freedom. And this is what the Bible is saying. It's saying that we have a father. And from that father, we have a nature. And our father is what? Is Adam. Our father is Adam, and Adam sinned, and we're carrying this nature. And as we are carrying this nature, it is ruling us, and it is controlling us. So we can ask the question, why do we do what we don't want to do, and we don't do what we do want to do? Why do we do that? It's because of Adam. (laughs) It is. It's exactly because of Adam. A person does not become a liar because he lies. He tells a lie because he's already deceitful from the inside. A person does not become a murderer because he kills. He kills because his heart is already murderous. He's being ruled from the inside. Sin is not an action. Sin is a power that is living inside of us, ruling us and controlling us. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die. Job 14. Who can make you clean out of an unclean? According to this one, he says, no one, as Job is exploring. Psalms 51, 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, born in iniquity, and in sin my mother did what? She conceived me, and we all know that, because we have children, and before they even understand a language, it seems like they do what they shouldn't be doing and what they really don't even want to be doing. Romans 7, 14, I'm sold 
as a slave to sin. So here we are. We are bound, uh, whether we like it or not, or even other, other words, whether we admit it or not. And um, even if we're bound by drugs, drink, sex, whatever it is, we see the things that we're losing and we still can't get out of it. We know that this has taken place and we don't choose it, but yet we still go that direction. Is there hope? Is there a way out? Is there freedom? Number five, the only way to have freedom is to be placed out of Adam's family and into Christ's family. If you're going to embrace freedom, you've got to overcome three different things. And we know this. We need to overcome ourselves, we need to overcome the world, and we need to overcome, the, uh, overcome death. And on the side of those three things, are we going to be able to find them? And where would you find them? Just thinking about it. Is there other options besides God? Is there other options besides Christ? Um, and what are those options? Because if we are afraid of losing our freedom, and we want freedom even when we're in a nursing home, or even when we're in a deathbed, or even as we're facing with, can- with cancer, as we want that freedom, we've got to overcome it. Give us an answer in this world of what would overcome it. And I ask the question, is there an answer outside of Christ? And if there is an answer, what is it? I want to know it. What is it? I believe that there is not an answer outside of Christ. I believe there's only one answer, and 1 Corinthians gives us the explanation. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. All die, everything in Adam dies. What does that mean? Everything with inside of our nature and inside of this life, everything that's taken place, all of us die. That just explains to me that there's absolutely no hope. Well, we only have two songs to go to. We can go to the circle of life or we go to the other half of this verse. So also in Christ, all is made alive. So when we move towards a nursing home and see somebody in their bed, is there freedom in that bondage? Is there freedom when people are struggling with that? There's a story um, in the medieval times. Uh, in medieval times, they were martyring Christians. And uh, as the Christians would stand up for the faith, and they say, all we need to do to a Christian is tell them, you deny your faith, and if you deny your faith, we can kill you. We'll kill you. And some Christians were denying their faith. Other Christians would say, no, I'm not going to deny my faith. I hold to something stronger than this world. I will not deny our faith. There's 40 men that they were going to kill, and the way they were going to kill them is they're going to put them on a lake, frozen lake. They put them on this frozen lake. They said, okay, this is your deal. All we want you to do is deny Christ. And if you deny Christ, we will let you come off the lake for free, and we'll never look at you again. Just deny Christ. That's all you have to do. And by the way, we're going to sit here with a campfire. All of us are going to sit by a campfire. And we're going to guard you so you don't come off the lake. And we're going to sit here comfortably, and all you have to do is come sit by our campfire, and you'll have freedom. Or you can stay on the lake and Christ and have bondage and death. Forty people says we will not deny Christ. We will hold strong. So as they sat on the lake or stood on the lake, they locked shoulders 
and they locked shoulders. They needed to get each other support. So they started to make almost even a chant, 40 standing for Christ, 40 that will not step down, 40 who will not move until we fall to the ground. And they started doing it again because they needed each other's support, 40 standing for Christ, 40 that will not back down, 40 who will not move until we fall to the ground. 40 standing for Christ, 40 that will not step down, 40 who will not move until we all fall to the ground. There was one person after hypothermia started kicking in that said, I'm done. He pulled out, he went to the campfire, and he left. They kept on singing, 40 standing for Christ, 40 that will not step down, 40 who will not move until we fall to the ground. And what did the people by the campfire start doing? They started laughing at him and said, don't they know that there's only 39? But they didn't change their number. 40 standing for Christ, 40 that will not step down, 40 who will not move until we drop to the ground. After about an hour of continuing to chant as they start to fall, one of the guards stood up, walked out to the ice, got down to the skivvies, and said, there is 40 standing for Christ, 40 who will not step down, 40 who will not move until we all fall to the ground. In that story, who is free? Are the people sitting on the bank free? Or the people hanging on to something bigger than life itself and willing to die for it? Would they be free? Can you hear the word circle of life and find that hope, that strength, that power, that ambition that sets you free? Or do we hang on to the world and call it enough? Who is free? Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as though one man's sin entered into the world, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For if by the transgression of one death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Reign not only with Christ after life, but reign even with Christ during life as we receive the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.10, If Christ is in you, though your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. My spirit today is alive. Why? Because of righteousness. You see the two sides, sin, death, righteousness, freedom. How do you get freedom? Number six, freedom comes when you're adopted into the family of God. As we um, fear freedom as people, the world offers very little answers. Um, The Bible offers lots of answers. Uh, One thing that we do as we fear freedom, and somebody who is fearing freedom often consults to what is immediate and best rather than to what is, or actually consults to what is safest rather than the best. Immediate and safest rather than the best. So what is the immediate and safest? Well, what is at our disposal? I don't feel like I have freedom. I need to find something at the disposal. And we start to live for anything that we can find at our disposal. But the question is, is it best? And if it is not best, what would be the best when we are facing this fear of freedom. Psalms 146, 7. The Lord has come to set you free. Is he the ultimate? Is he the best? Can he get me beyond myself? Can he get me beyond the world? Can he get me beyond death? 
That's what he came for. Romans 8, 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. What do we have? We have a Father that will embrace us in our sin, will embrace us in our addiction, will embrace us in our loneliness, will embrace us during the times that we feel like I am completely in bondage and say, I'll forgive you time and again and again and again and again. Just let me be your father and walk with you through this situation. How else can we find freedom? Number seven, freedom comes when you obey God as the head of your new family. We often look at the Bible and we think of the Bible, it's like, ah, we got to reject it. The reason why is because it's a book of rules. And a book of rules is a book of bondage. And Christianity does nothing but brings you bondage. And the Bible is the source that speaks, that puts the chains on you. But is that the case? Is the book, the Bible, a book of bondage or is it a book of freedom? I'd like to make an argument with you that it is a book of complete freedom. Let's just look at a um, little diagram real fast. Kind of gives us an example of how the Bible works. Let's see if it will come up. Here we have person one. Better turn this on. We have person one and we have person two here. And then inside we have a moral law called the Bible. When you look at the moral law called the Bible, what is inside that? This is the only area of freedom that we have. See, what happens is that God is in our best interest, and he says, if you can live inside of this, you have had nothing but life, freedom, and even prosperity. But what happens? We'll go to the next slide. Something takes place. Let's break the moral law. Number two, broke the moral law. This is the Bible. It's still there. He says, I'm going to break the moral law. You start to encroach on this person's freedom because you have now taken this amount of freedom. So what happens? Let's just use an example. The next one. Let's just say commit adultery. Moral law says, if you want life, if you want prosperity, if you want what you want, live right there and you'll find that. Everything that you want. However, if you cross it, like this person crossed it, this person then gets bound. Bound by guilt, bound by insecurity, bound by lack of trust, bound by fear, bound by hurt, bound by anxious thoughts. And as a result of this person getting bound, this person even gets more bound prospects of somebody committing adultery in the past, it makes it harder and harder and harder not to, to commit adultery, and then it starts to bind us. So why is the Bible there? Why is that moral law there? Because it wants to give us life, not bondage. Let's just go to the next one. This is one that, you know, all of us can relate with. A person robs your house. What did they do? They broke the moral law. They said, let's go beyond the moral law, and let's start playing with something else. Let's start playing with taking your stuff rather than, well, even though it's not mine. What does it do? People went into my house. It would give our freedom of possession would be gone, freedom of security. If they robbed my house, I don't think my daughters or my wife would ever be the same and never look at the house the same as a result of the violation. Freedom from peace, freedom from sleep, freedom from joy, all those things go, and this person remains bound as well. See, what's taking place is that God knows um, what we want more than we even know what we want. Samuel West made a statement. He said, perfect freedom consists of obeying the dictates 
of right reason and submitting to natural law. When he manages or contrary to the law, when any man goes beyond or contrary to the law of nature and reason, he introduces confusion and disorder into society. Thus, where indulgence and sensual pleasure begins, that is where freedom ends. So we'll ask the question, is God trying to bind us with the Bible, or is God trying to liberate us with the Bible? Does God know what is best for me, or do I know what is best for me? Last night was not a kind of a rough night, and I even got a text in the middle of the night from my daughter's room that said, you better check on these cows because the cows are in an uproar and something is going on outside. Yesterday, I was a complete jerk. What I did is I took the calves away from their mother. Yes, I pulled children away from their mom. And you can look at me and say, that is not a healthy thing to do. Well, just let me explain it to you so you don't fire me from my job of how evil I am, is that I have young calves that are nursing, but those are nursing from a pregnant mother. As they are nursing from a pregnant mother, if they continue to nurse, when that calf arrives, the older calf will drink all the colostrum. The younger calf needs that colostrum to be healthy, needs the nutrients to survive. So as long as they keep nursing on that calf, what's going to take place? it is going to bring a lot of fear that the other calf will die. So I know all this, so what I do is I separate it, and they look at me, and they are just mad to the core. I told them all that, and they still disagree with me. I will go home this afternoon, and I will tell them again, this is in your best interest. If you want your other calf to live, this is what has to do. I wish you could make the decision on your own, but since you can't make the decision on your own, I have what you call a gate. And because of that gate, I will separate you, I will rule you, and I will take command because you do not know what is best for you. One thing that we don't have as human beings is we don't have that gate that says, from God, that says, you will do this because this is what's best for you. What we have is we have a free will and a Father that is convincing us, I exist for your best interest. Respond to my word. Live by my word. And as a result, in the day you die, you will look back and say, thank you, God, that I followed it because I found out that I was liberated through it rather than bound through it. See, our nature is what is ruling us. Our nature is what is holding on to us. But God says, I want to give you a spirit, a new birth, a different nature, a new mind, a new purpose, a new heart to live beyond it. Luke eleven twenty eight, but he said, blessed rather, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed if we keep the word of God? So if we're bound to the word of God, are we happy because we follow the word of God? According to this verse, is that the only blessed or even free man would find freedom through this word. 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise both for the present life, that is life here on this earth, promises, and the life to come. I want hold promises on this life and next life. Well, I need direction. Where do you get direction? You get direction from your creator. You get direction from your maker. And when you find out how we are supposed to live in society, what would take place? 
to reward it in another direction. If everybody lived as a perfect life, what would society even look like? It would look like heaven. It would look like freedom. It would look like the way that we were originally designed if we're not ruled by the world, but ruled by Christ instead. Number eight, the only way to overcome the fear of losing your freedom is to be an heir of Christ. Travel to Africa often, and in Africa, uh, the culture is different and families are different in Africa as they are in America. Also went to India. India is different than Africa. India is also different than even America. If my family is Adam, his heritage, and his home, and that is all what we have, and as a result, we have hurricanes, tornadoes, and we have um, avalanches, we have all those things that kill us, and we have war, and we have all those things. If that um, is our only home, and that is his home, um, is it different than home to be with Christ? Is it different? Is living for Adam and living for Christ different? Absolutely. It is completely different. How is it different? It's liberating. It is completely liberating. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you, what? An heir. That means I'm a son, and he is my father. If he's my father and I'm my son, do you know that there's not one word in the Bible that speaks against you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ? There's not one word in the Bible that speaks against you. And the reason why is because you have a father that loves you so much he's willing to die and wipe away your sins no matter what has taken place and work with you to find freedom in life. So just to sum it up in closure, that there is no freedom outside of Christ and try to find a book on it if you want to find it outside of Christ. I've looked, and you're not going to find it. The only study you'll find in regards to freedom is we're confused. Go to Christ, and what you have is you have one book that says you can be completely liberated and live liberated if you grab it, love it, follow me, and be adopted into my family. Father, I just thank you so much, God, for not... uh, leaving us alone down here on earth. God, uh, it's, uh, if we're left alone, God, misery takes place because it's in our nature um, to do what we want to do and to, to feed our lust, to feed our desires, to, uh, to feed the evil God that is inside of us. Thank you, God, for coming, dying on the cross, raising again so we can find salvation and we can find a new family. Thank you, God, for that gift. And I just pray that all of us, God, take full advantage of that gift by embracing it and by hanging on to your word and living for it. In Christ's name, amen.